1: Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
2: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
3: Not just a media company, iHeartMedia Media is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: A Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined by Russell and Tony for another Monday Club. But there's something afoot, Russell, (laughs) Um, which is why I'm having to step in. I'm needing to step in because your buddy is just not showing up. Two
0: weeks (laughs) weeks running. I'm really really sorry. I I, I promised myself I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to start crying. Is he going to be with you tomorrow? Because oh, that Kevin does is dinging me all the time. He's like Roger Federer at me. He just beats me without breaking a sweat. He'll be sitting there right now going, you know, it's a shame Russell's so great. You know, he's played the great. He's he's played the match of his life the past few weeks, but it's just a shame I'm so much better than him. (laughs) That's what he's doing to me.
4: It's too good to appear me. on a Monday, but hopefully it will be back with you tomorrow night for Schema Selica, Russell. Let's see. Uh,
0: maybe I won't be there now, Paul. Maybe I will show up. that's you know, the thing.
4: That. It, it might be me and Tony. Now, uh, yesterday, <laughs> I, 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 we had a very interesting discussion yesterday, and it was on the Sunday Axon Bulletin. Um, and we spoke, I can't remember how we got into the subject, but we were speaking about Bob Marley and the fact that he was a big Celtic fan, and we qualified this with uh, the background, and obviously Russell appears today uh, with the old uh, Oraster colours um, of Jamaica on the Adidas. Yeah, absolutely. But there is another name being linked to Celtic. I want to mention this. I want to talk about it, Tony, because is it the biggest headline involving Celtic at the moment? Nowhere near it. Is it what the Celtic fans really want to hear? No. But it's a wee bit of like, Kind of refreshment and a wee change from the where's Eddie, how why is the club not speaking to us kind of dialogue that we've been having in the narrative. So um, Sky Sports this morning re- actually responded to a tweet. Conor McGregor was doing a Twitter Q&A uh, and someone asked him about an interest in buying Man U and he, he confirmed that he was interested in investing. But He had actually uh, spoke about acquiring shares in Celtic from Dermot Desmond first. Now, see when you see this, and we know that a lot of people attach themselves to the the Celtic brand, because it's good for their business a lot of the time, Tony. What do you make of this? I mean, obviously, he is um, a very wealthy man. Uh, whether or not he's a Celtic supporter I couldn't say I've never seen him at a game but you know what that doesn't mean to say he's not a fan uh, we, spoke, <laughs> we spoke about that yesterday uh, what, what do you make of all this Tony what, the, the one thing I would take from it is that Celtic and investing in the club is definitely still an attractive proposition now I spoke to um, a couple of people over the last few weeks around the British Super League and um, you know David Lowe spoke about investment in Celtic people hedging their bets if you like that Celtic will um, flee the nest of Scottish football And end up in a, a British Super League And if they were to do that Anyone who's got shares in the club Could make a few quid Is it one of their ones?
5: Well first and foremost I want you to say a long time no see i spent more time with you guys Than I have with my wife In the past couple of days i <laughs> comforted this morning With these lovely ones Celtic were my first love And they will be my last Celtic in the future And Celtic of the past she told me where to go. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. Now, if he gets involved, do we change our name to from CFC to C UFC? <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. High-profile man, lots of money. Listen, come on. This guy's a cage fighter. He wants to invest in Celtic. I, I want more information than that. I want to see what you're going to bring to the table, if we even get you round the table. What's your business, Acumen? What, what do you know about the day-to-day running of a football club? You just want to pump money in like that and walk away? I don't think so. These people don't want nothing for nothing. So what tells more, to give us a plan here. You know, waving a tie colour and coming into the octagon to the strains of the fucking dew and being Irish, not enough for me to say, yeah, let's get this guy in. You know, I want what's best for Celtic Football Club. This guy is a controversial figure,
2: you know, and has
5: been in the co- dragged through the court for some unsavoury incidents. A little bit around the bush here. He's just been cleared of sexual assault and he thrown dolls at fighters and busses and stuff like that so this is a Conor McGregor I don't know too much about him I don't know too much about your Celtic leanings but you'll probably watch this broadcast and do that famous meme who the F is this guy you know what I, mean? I don't care, I want the best calibre candidates buying the Celtic yes. and is this what you want associated with your football club I'm not so sure, Conor McGregor might be a lovely guy but I want him to outline a plan and if Conor McGregor outlines that plan and it's detailed its structure in the Celtics, Celtic boards who are far more equipped to deal with what, what might be happening or coming in the often. If they're buying what he's selling, then he might well get Shares and Celtic Football Club. But no buying not buying the fact that somebody might want it for Kudos, you know, or to align their brand to Celtic or a vanity, some sort of vanity project. You know, so we might buy Shares and Celtic. Or I might buy shares and man U.
2: Mm.
4: you. Know? I know, I know. It's like, going, you're absolutely right. It's, it's like a plaything. You know,
5: yeah. so I'm not. Listen, and then, you know, I, I looked at the Twitter, and if you I get them in and stage a, a UFC fight at Celtic Park and all that, you're like, just hold the bus. Mm. There's no. Put the brakes on one of Russell's buses. Think about this. Think about what you're playing back <laughs> to the club. You know what I mean? If that's what you genuinely want. People want to invest money in Celtic. Great. I want the highest possible calibre and candidate a person. And I want them to act in the best interests of Celtic Football Club. No more.
4: No less it's the highest caliber of business person, isn't it tony really when you when you think about it i've always said that Celtic is not a fashion accessory, and I sometimes feel that a lot of the kind of celebrity types um, align themselves to Celtic because of of that very fact that they see it as a fashion accessory it's good for their brand um, and I sometimes wonder in and around and I know that I, I can't say this about Conor McGregor, but some of the other celeb fans, where were they? When we were on our knees in the early 90s and we needed a saviour, where were they when uh, Fergus McCann wired money Um, and then jumped on a plane and came over from Canada to save the club. Where were they then? All these celebrity fans um, who obviously uh, love it when Celtic are doing well. And by the way, it's great. I mean, we spoke yesterday about the kind of pride you feel when you you hear that uh, Bob Marley was a Celtic fan and he could recite the Lisbon Lions. Um, You know, it's almost like uh, there's a certain age, Tony, where if you can't do that, it's like you learn the alphabet and you learn the Lisbon
5: Lions. And if you can't can't do the latter, even what a Celtic that? fan even a Celtic fan um, you know, one, of the, one of the YouTube comments yesterday was someone had put a team up from the past mm. it was brilliant you know and, and somebody underneath said I watched that team or I can remember that team and as I said yesterday it's a very much an older person's trait they yeah. can respect teams like that you know and and I love all that I think it's brilliant you know so uh, yeah and I, I get what you're saying and I you know I I've never, in my life or experience, I don't remember Conor McGregor being at a Celtic game. Someone might correct me on that. Uh, so, you know, I, and I, I've got nothing against Conor McGregor personally. I just want to know more about a plan moving forward, if it's viable and if he could possibly acquire us But you need to know more than just that soundbite. I'm interested possibly in Celtic or Man U. See, Tony, I think the quote, though, I, I could be wrong, like, but I think the quote
0: was saying that he was approached. No other way around.
5: Is that right? Which is
0: even more baffling. Aye, he was saying that, uh, that it was, I'm sh- I, I, I could be wrong. Some, I, you know, I get my stats wrong all the time. I'm not the stat man. i <laughs> the blah, 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 no. But I mean, <laughs> I, I, uh, I am sure that the quote attributed was Dermot Desmond. He'd spoke to the owner about purchasing shares. As opposed to him, for Celtic to actually get involved, so which is even more mind boggling if things aren't more bamboozling at the top as what they already are.
5: Well, there might be some kind of Irish connection there down the line with somebody acting as some kind of go-between, but that's what I mean. I, I want those people, you know, to get involved in it. You know, high-caliber people that are businessmen and, and yep. know what they're doing, right? Because Conor McGregor is a cage fighter to me. Yes. That's- right, that's, he's, that's how he makes a living and a very successful one at that so sure. does he have an entourage of business people that have business connections to Dermot Desmond then that's what I mean, tell us that then outline your plans and what you see, how you could invest in Celtic, make it better mm-hmm. we all want what's best for Celtic Football Club, that's what I'm saying yeah. he's got people aligned to him that could act in the best interest of Celtic Football Club yeah, yeah. Then, yeah tell us more, you know Don't just throw that out there and leave us all hanging.
4: This is a conversation, and I want to speak about a few of the other celebrity Celtic fans in a moment or two. But this is a conversation that Kevin Graham and I had some time ago in a Celtic state of mind. And Kevin was speaking about, you know, um, the identity of a club. And I think the example we gave at the time is maybe Manchester City. So if we go back to even you know the the Gallagher brothers appearing on the front cover of the NME with their Man City jerseys on when Man City were very unfashionable they were an unfashionable team to support. It
0: was yeah, the brother, brother, it, the it was, it was, it was, it was a <laughs> it it was was the right?
4: perfect cover. It was a perfect cover. <laughs> Liam was. and Noel with the Man City jerseys and it was almost as if you know our team's no great but we don't care because they're our team. And there's an identity to a football club, and then you compare that now to the Manchester City of today, um, who I think lose a, a lot of their identity if these big money investors come along um, and then obviously just polish up the business operation. I mean, I, I spoke to Mark Hughes, as you know, who was the Man City manager for a spell, and he spoke about the investment that came in um, so you're, you're basically being presented with specific players um, who you may or may not want wanted to have signed because the owners of the club wanted to have the world record signing for a footballer. So the footballer Rubinho. that comes in, Rubinho, comes in, he's a Brazilian, he doesn't like training outside. OK, so we'll build an indoor training facility, right? Because Rubinho, the world record football player, doesn't want to train out in the rain. And it's a nonsense. And then eventually it's a way you've got to weigh it up because on the one hand, you want to, you know, fiercely you're fiercely protective of the club's I- identity. But on the other hand, it would be great to be playing in the Champions League final. So you've got to try and weigh that up, Tony, you know?
5: Listen, there's Man City fans Man City don't ever sell out their ground every week. You can get tickets for Man City's home games all the time. And the reason is a lot of them don't align with the new Manchester City. A lot of them yearn for the days when Paul Dickov was scoring a fifth-minute injury time equaliser against Huddersfield <laughs> to the get into the third or fourth tier of English football. They want those days back. It's These fourth goal of the season. <laughs> They're they an unfashionable club and they loved that. They didn't give a monkey's for that. this manufactured history, this bought history. Part of football died last week. Competitive football died last week. He's the richest club in the world. He's playing another richest club in the world in the Champions League final. Mm -hmm. The two richest clubs in the world met in the semi-final. And you just sat there, if you watched it at all, and you're just like, you know, and they're celebrating an all-English final. What, the self-proclaimed greatest league in the world with all the money is celebrating the fact that two of the richest clubs in that league got to the final of the richest tournament in the world, which is slanted towards them. Where's the achievement
4: in that? Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you that question, Tony, because I think that all of this chat brings up some very relevant considerations for Celtic supporters. We said at the top of the show around the British Super League, and anyone looking to invest at the moment in football, you know, could do a lot worse than investing in Celtic. Actually, because should the move ever happen to a British Super League, and it's obviously been mooted already, uh, then your financial investment uh, will pay some some uh, dividends and and you know the, the big thing for me when you look at that is it's a balancing act between the loss of that identity Tony and um, so it will happen I, I Firmly believe that in the next two or three years there will be a situation where we're talking on a Celtic state of mind about a proposal. And I've already said, and this is not because I've got any information uh, to this effect, but I believe that the rumours around Peter Law will stay in at Celtic is so that he will be the man heading up the operation to get Celtic into the, the British Super League. Now, in that day comes... Is there a dilemma for you, Russell Boyce? You know, you you weigh it up, you say, well, Celtic will be part of this, you know, razzmatazz, the box office, the the richest league in the world. I don't know if it's the best, but as Tony says, certainly a self-proclaimed best league in the world. And, you know, Celtic might be at that table. Do we go for that or do you retain this identity? Can you retain the identity if you leave Scottish football?
0: I think if the option's there we need to we need to quickly sharply realise that we'll take it, right? There's just no two ways about it. If the option is there for Celtic to join English football in one way, shape or form, it will be it will not be put to the fans, it will not be put to nostalgia, it will not be put to sentimentality, the word of the moment just now. It will not be put to any of that. It will be done and dusted. Then you've got to ask yourself, can you question them being a Celtic fan? Can you then just drop everything? Can you can you just walk away for the X like that? I think it's very difficult. I think you find yourself in a few years forgetting that you maybe done the dirty on Scottish football and you find yourself just as engrossed in the club as what you were before, albeit whether that's right or wrong, is a completely different debate. But for me you find the impact that Celtic will make down south. Once that challenge starts happening, once the magic starts, and once the money's pumped in, I think we all become, you know, part of the cycle. And I think, I struggle to find where people will be sitting in six years' time with Celtic competing at the top table and sitting going, do you know what? I don't like this. Would you be supporting another team by then if that's me? I just don't see it coming. and I Don't get me wrong. The, a lot of my heart goes against that by the way mm. I promise you that's not because that is my person I just well, I don't know how easy though. I'm strung up let's be honest I'd sell my soul to the devil the more I watched Jose Mourinho in charge so You're I'd on. be easy You're I'd on. be easy
5: easy
0: Super League bus. you got a Super League bus now doing I'm not saying that no 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 i know because that'll start no I'm not doing that I'm not going to go that far but if we were in some British league or Super League, we'd forget about the nasty, big, little, bad, Celtic, bad, bad, little Celtic. Do you know what I mean? In a few years' time, once we once we got a taste of it, I, 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 it's bad saying that, but I think
5: that's true. I do think part of their identity would die, Paul. With it, mm. no, I, I agree. I think it's progress. Completely. It's the progress, and it's the future, and you probably can't fight it. And the one thing I will say is, at the moment, with the, the European Super League defeated you know, they're trying to come up with new ways of keeping football fresh. And the, the English Premier League is a bit stale. So it's ripe for a new challenge or a new revamp. And I think that revamp's going to involve Celtic and Rangers going yeah. down south. Right? I, I I agree with you. I think within the next five or ten years, Celtic and Rangers will be playing in the English Premier League. Right? I, I yeah. I just don't think he can fight it. I think the wheels are in motion and I agree with you wholeheartedly that Peter Lowell is not hanging around just to sit there and do nothing. The big I, thing, yeah. Tony,
4: if you look at the you you know you look at all the different aspects of this and maybe with hindsight you will realise that they all add up to the same thing which is that Celtic will be leaving Scottish football. One of the big ones is the fact that uh, you'll remember a few months back Dermot Desmond pulling us out of the negotiations around the Atlantic League. And at that time, we questioned it because uh, we had been involved in that proposal for many, many years um, and the planning uh, of that. You go back to Dallin MacDonald, another... Massive, massive fan of a kind of transatlantic uh, situation where there was promotion and relegation to, I think it was nine different leagues at that time and Celtic were part of that. And the the good thing I felt about it is uh, you could be relegated from the league back into your domestic league and someone else who's won the league in your absence could then be promoted into the transatlantic league. Now, the the thing with that um, is that it just never got off the ground. And then we hear first hand from people who were involved in Celtic's um, valuation of Wimbledon Football Club and they tried to do it a different way to, so Celtic have been trying to get into the English game for years and that was part of the reason why um, back in, was it 2002 when we first trademarked the term the old firm, because there was a business alliance whereby both clubs were actually working in tandem to get into the English league, back then everything's changed. You then look at the situation also with uh, the Colts and we're going to be talking about a Development in relation to getting the Colts in now the reason I'm bringing that up is the first time Celtic tried I've said this before to get into a second team into the league was in 1968 Jockstein forward thinking as he was made an application it was knocked back in the end by Partick Thistle making a vote against it so we've been trying um, something similar 40 odd years ago right we've never tried it since now, How long's the reserve league been away? How long have we been aware that there's a, an issue with development uh, over youth players into the first team? Many, many years. So why now are we looking at that? And you think, well, is that to maintain a Scottish presence in the in the league? Yeah. Um, am I being cynical? Am I being a wee bit? Am I looking too deep into that? Um, and. You know, I'm I'm with you on this Russell if the the carrot was dangled in front of the club and all the investors and those in control they would take it in a moment um, and I remember again where are we now 19 minutes in and I'm going to name drop again Russell so <laughs> a, a, a wee bit a wee bit better this time round but I remember being a guest at the club uh, a guest of a friend of mine at a game and I had the opportunity on this particular day to have some brief words with Peter Lowell and I think I might have told Tony this and I asked him about playing in the future outside of Scottish football and he says there's still, there's still an opportunity for that. So he didn't give much away but he just knew that the people in charge of club like Celtic are looking towards it. I then look at the comments, if you remember Brendan Rogers, I think um, maybe around about the Manchester City games. And one of the English journalists asked Brendan Rogers about it because it was wetting the appetite of Scottish teams playing English teams and he spoke about the impact that Celtic would have as a brand, as a business and as a football club should we were to join The English League, he was talking about you'd need to put an extra tier on the stadium. I think that was the famous quote. And we know that he likes to, um, you know, embellish things from time to time. But I quite like that quote, I've got to say. Um, And he was also talking about the fact that, yeah, there's obviously going to be a bedding-in period. uh, But once the finances, because you're on a level playing field in terms of prize money, in terms of broadcast share, etc., once that starts flowing in, you are an 11 level playing field, and uh, eventually we would rise to the kind of higher reaches of that league. I always find it interesting, again, Tony, regarding the argument about, um, you know, Celtic couldn't manage in the, the Championship, never mind the Premier League. But they're not actually looking at the Celtic as they are just now. We're looking at a Celtic with the same kind of level of broadcast deal with the same kind of leverage when it comes to sponsorship so it'd be a completely different ball game because always say well if that's your argument if an English team came to Scotland they'd be bust in a week because it's it's you know it doesn't work like that you would be adapting to the league that you play in
5: First and foremost I mean that i have I got a duty to Scotland in my eyes you know and I said it last week about the the Colts this was a precursor to getting a Colts team to play in the Top flight in Scotland to make sure that there was a a Celtic Rangers presence in the top flight yep. in Scotland. And then a couple of commenters were saying, oh, how arrogant!" Are I'm not being arrogant. What 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 will happen? Big, big business and money will dictate this. Sky will dictate this. And if they want Celtic Rangers in, Celtic and Rangers are going because that's where the big money is. There'll be no two ways about it. But I still feel I'm a tradition I think Celtic needs have a they have an obligation to Scottish football, and there should be a presence there. And a lot of people, like the Man City fans that don't turn up, would rather go and watch a Celtic Colts team and a Rangers Colts team competing in Scotland rather than follow the, the money because it's just not what they think their club's about. right? But uh, this will be dictated by factors out with football, money being the operative one. You know, and Dermot Desmond has always wanted to play in the English Premier League. That's been his M.O. since he... Became the majority shareholder of the club. He's always had his eyes there, or an Atlantic League, or a European Super League, if if it ever came to fruition. So you just again, I use the phrase: you're connecting the dots. And whilst people might not like it, they might have to embrace it. Mm. And I do feel that within the next decade, that and people are saying, "Oh, we've been talking about this for sixty or seventy years, whatever it is," but it's it's never been more closer than this. Because that's what the suits and the big money men want. It's, it's, you know. So, and if they've got a an English Premier League that's a bit stale and a bit samey and a bit, what can they do to revamp that? Mm-hmm. Tell you what we'll do, we'll bring the top two in Scotland because they bring something to the table. There you go. So I mean, these are factors that it, it, it strikes me. as not being too hard to work out. It's common sense. Yeah. No, not particularly because. I feel that Celtic and Rangers belong in Scotland, but I'm not going to make that call. This guy's well above my pay grade, and <laughs> if you could buy and sell me many times over that'll make that call in TV.
0: movie, uh, Tony. By the way, I think it's it's completely it's not a, heart and soul's one thing, you know, and and I think you're absolutely right. For Money me, Celtic do Scottish football something, but scissors paper store in it uh, uh, they the, they ask the question and you love that ask the question, ask the question. Go. 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 They, say, they say yes every day of the week and you know it's funny about the whole argument Paul's talking about could they compete would they be able to do it as she says we're even playing the same sport right now you know give Celtic like 100 million pound every year on top of what they already bring in and you would be looking at a new top tier and you know it's funny because I was looking at my latest follower on Twitter you like a name drop Alan Thompson is following me on Twitter. Honestly, <laughs> what a day it was on Friday in my house. Best day of my life. But it, it, it was poignant because it was shown as a game at Elland Road, which I'd completely forgotten about in 2002. Mm-hmm. But we smashed them 4-1. And that is, back then, was just, even then they were probably paying what double what we were in wages. When you look at the squad then that they had. Close to their wage, uh, their annual wage, but we've been probably about close to double mm-hmm. and yet we were absolutely smashing them that Leeds you team give won. us that same money I know it's hypothetical and I get all that but you give us the same money and get, give us the same board to play with that they've got and nah come on that,
5: that Leeds team got to a Champions League semi I, in, three years in, before by Valencia so. and the manager was Pierce
4: O'Luddy's big brother yeah David. yeah pierce we spoke about <laughs> yesterday and the Vancouver Whitecaps legend Pierce <laughs> When, when we're looking at uh, Celtic, we are looking not only at the first team these days, we're looking at the Colts and we're also looking at the, the women's team. So there is actually a, an opportunity, I think, next season that we could, you know, we could actually go and watch all three teams and hopefully the, the fixture schedule would allow that. But there has been a development when you're looking at the Colts proposal. And the reason for that is, uh, obviously, the proposal is to move a Celtic coach team into the Lowland League um, with a view to developing the youth players who currently are either not playing at all or they're playing against their contemporaries in terms of their age. So they're not going to develop playing week in, week out against 18-year-old kids. Um, now... The Lowland League, the fifth tier of Scottish football, um, has got some opposition from three leagues, all a tier below them. The West, East and South of Scotland Football Leagues have issued a statement. um, And basically they are saying that, uh, you know, it's all about kind of self-preservation and money. Well, of course it is, because it's, it's football. Of course it is. But at the same time. Um, I think there's all also something to say, well, if you want to develop the youth, so if you want to give youth a chance, right, um, we need to get them playing football at a level. Now, I remember we had this discussion, Tony, um, with Jim, and Jim says, well, I'm concerned at that level, because that level might not be good enough. And I totally get that. And I've spoken to people who, who play or involved with clubs at that level. And he says, well, you may be surprised that they the kindy standard of this league and my argument not an argument as such but when I was discussing it with Jim I said well surely even if it's of a lesser standard than what you would expect in maybe the the old reserve league as it was back in the day surely it's still a better standard than not playing at all Tony are you surprised that there is opposition to these proposals yeah
5: no I'm not surprised and you know why I'm not surprised because it's unfair because it only benefits two clubs Benefits to Celtic and Rangers if you get a coach team in, and let's be honest, that's that's what it does. So they're rearing their own produce and their talent, and they're getting competitive games, and they're getting better, and the gap gets bigger. You know, so if you're bringing that, I can understand people's adverse reaction to a Celtic coach and the Rangers coach teams coming in because there's only one, there's only two teams benefiting from this. Now, the Celtic Rangers would argue that, well, if people are going to watch it, then other clubs will benefit in getting the spin-off from people turning up. Yeah. Anyways will rise. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. So you have to weigh it up, don't you? But I can understand opposition to it. You know, but you said they are foot. what's football now? Money dictates football. Yeah, it's a balance sheet. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, so... It, there is this proposal on the table. Do you want? But I, I can get where other clubs are coming from on this because this benefits two clubs. Let's not dress it up any other way. It benefits Celtic and Rangers if they get cold if they get coached team in the, the in the pyramid system, doesn't it?
4: Picking up on one thing you said there about the, the kind of financial element of it. Tony and I think this is why it's a trial because I think both Celtic and Rangers are wise enough to know that once these teams have had a sniff at the the money that's going to be available, the investment because first and foremost there is a bounty of fifty grand, which I believe Celtic and Rangers are going to pay fifty percent of that each to get yeah, remember, into the.
0: Remembering the uh, the, the sorry Paul, um, but the SPFL when they were trying to join the, the bottom league there and and we had yeah. one hundred twenty five thousand each they offered. There you go. Right, so that's
4: 50 grand. So if you look at the prize money for that particular league, there is no prize money in the league, right? So you could say, well, there's 50 grand that they didn't have before. Then the clubs might look at things like, well, there might be increased sponsorship, there might be increased broadcast, and there might be increased gate receipts. But again... What would inevitably happen after the first season, I guess, is that Celtic and Rangers would say, well, we want to do it again, but this time, let's remove that caveat that we can't get promoted. And that's when it starts getting interesting, because as well as dropping into the pyramid, which a lot of the lesser clubs are unhappy with, it will ruffle a fair few feathers if you remove that caveat where they can't get promoted at the moment. Because you're pretty sure, like the women's game, Russell, you look at the fact that they've gone professional along with Rangers and and Glasgow City and and, uh, potentially Hibs. I'd need to check if Hibs are professional. But what happens is you romp the league. Yeah. So if, you, if you're going to pump the money into the Colts team, you will start climbing up the league tables. And that's when some of the other clubs, yeah, you're going on this journey. We've seen that before where um, <laughs> clubs clubs are erecting temporary stands and everything to meet demand and all that kind of stuff. The wee guy that ran about with that temporary stand must have made some money all the way through the leagues. <laughs> and, you know, so these clubs are going to make a lot of money, but it will be very short lived. Because I guess that Celtic Rangers would just climb the leagues and before you knew it, they'd maybe be pushing into the the top four divisions and maybe further afield once Celtic Celtic leave. So yeah, I totally agree with with Tony. And you look at a lot of these clubs, um, you know, and they've worked so hard, Tony, to be where they are. You know, they scratch about all year round for the finances and the investment from local companies and everything's on a shoestring. Um, but once they've they've tasted the flavour of whatever Celtic and Rangers bring to the league in terms of money, I think uh, you know they would welcome them back the following season.
5: Well, on a lesser scale, it's like Celtic and Rangers just leapfrogging everybody to go straight into the EPL. Mm. You know your Sunderland, Plymouth, and all the of Coventries at Hulls of this world go off their head. You know what I mean? So there'll be a backlash in that. So why why is it any different to getting the coach teams in? to all these clubs that have, as you say, operating a shoestring, I'll give you a story. My mate was involved with Albion Rovers, a comedian called Pat Rollington. He was a director at Albion Rovers for a while. and be- before, and before So I went out to interview him, for the record, and I asked him, what would make a difference to Albion Rovers, you no know, gate-wise? And his answer shocked me. 20 more people coming through. The turnstiles he said twenty, paying between a ten and twelve quid, which would give them an extra two hundred and fifty quid, which he said would pay our Lecky bill or, or pay, you know, the players uh, travel expenses for that week. Twenty more people and then they, they got through and they, they met Rangers in the club, and they, they get sorted for the, the next few years. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, that, and that astonished me. That that's all that that, that fine margin mm-hmm. club like that's how clubs like that live. Those fine margins, you know. And yeah, the the carrot of maybe Celtic Colts and Rangers Colts coming in and them getting more money is fine. But again, like them, like Man City, they like their club. They like things the way they are. They like the status quo. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not all about money. It's about competing. It's about their identity and being who they are. Struggle it The struggle is great, but the highs are. You know, there's nothing like it. If you're an Albion Rovers fan and you win a league title or a a league playoff. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto,
3: Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers' Discovery, weighs in on building trust. They asked for a version they could access anywhere, no download necessary. We heard them. And when they asked to execute a preset trade strategy in seconds, we said, absolutely. Feedback like this inspired us to build Thinkorswim web and it continues to push us. So our entire suite of platforms never stops getting better because platforms this innovative aren't just made for traders, they're made by them. Thinkorswim Trading from TD Ameritrade. Uh, That's just,
5: that's dreamland stuff for them. And they love that, and there's years and years and years of daily, month, weekly, monthly, yearly struggle for that one moment, and they live for that. And you're going to bring in Celtic Rangers culture, who will obliterate that for the foreseeable future, for well, well, these kind of clubs that operate in that kind of way.
4: In that world, and even uh, above that kind of level, um, my experience of the thriftiness of football clubs is at Dunfermline Athletic. It's an issue, you know, even down to the towels. You never think about this as a football fan, the amount of towels that a football club goes through in a season. Who's going to buy them? You know, yeah. when you're skint? who's going to, you know, Stuart Milne at Aberdeen famously removing the toaster. Remember that one? Yeah. Removing the toaster. Yep. Yeah. Uh, to save money on bread and on the electricity bill. Incredible. <laughs> You know, and that that, that's one of the top clubs in uh, in Scotland. Um, So it's an interesting one. The big one. Final final point on the matter, Russell. So, can you envisage in the next five years a Celtic playing someone? Let's say, like like, um, I don't know, Everton and uh, you know, you're know you looking around at uh, that stadium and there's an extra tier on it, Celtic Park there's an extra tier, it's probably sold it's naming rights by the way, that's another conversation by that stage, it's probably sold the name <laughs> Celtic Park right? Uh, by that stage and you're looking around and there's a lot of people who aren't really Celtic fans so you've got the tourist element you've got the half and half hats and scarves mm-hmm. is that what
0: you want for your football club? Not particularly, no, to be honest with you I, I I watched the film last night, the Alex Ferguson movie, right? And you know what stood out like a sore thumb was the fact that the Cup Winners Cup, which he won with Aberdeen, mm. he beats Bayern Munich, then Real Madrid. Now, those two clubs are now not allowed, basically, let's be real, not allowed to compete in the UEFA Cup or the Europa League, whatever it's called now. They must be in the premier competition. Does that tickle me watching Aberdeen playing Bayern Munich and the highlights of it, even though I know the score? Yes, it did. It completely had me hooked. The incredible story of a team playing in public parks uh, and, and, and shoveling off dog crap—you know what I mean—before, you know, before training sessions are beating Real Madrid in finals. That is football. That, that so we don't need to worry about you know, just half and half scarves and Everton playing Everton against Ancelotti and all that exciting because it doesn't but what's happened to the Super League this could go two ways now, it either opens up and starts to become part of the, the monster right which I'm a little kid on we were all you know oh we're so you know our morals are all so upset you know because of all that and then they go do you want in guys and we all jump at it right away we'll, we'll, we'll kid on we don't but that's what'll happen right or we flip it and European football starts realising the monster it's created it starts opening up the gates and the avenues to every country again that's within Europe. Or, mm. or, you know, if they want to broaden it out, I don't care. But, like, for me, what you've realised recently is the top 16 or 12, whatever they are, they just want to play each other. Now, I I often think about, you know, this sounds ridiculous, right? But I, I generally think sometimes you look at the players that as soon as they join Celtic, they want to leave. Is it because Celtic's not registered in FIFA? On, on, on the game, the PlayStation game, and they've not got their own avatar on it? I believe that that is how childish they're getting. And they, it's not a big team if you've not got your own avatar on, on, on FIFA. That sounds ridiculous. I think it's true. I think there's a lot of stuff like that that they don't like, not being part of the club, the, mm. the, you know, the, the big club. And what I'm trying to say here is we either have a change now without the Super League now happening, it obviously got vetoed and we've seen fans storming stadiums and we open it all up to each other again or we become part of the problem and get a wee back handle down south and we take that and then where's your morals then?
5: I think there's been more than a Bob Marley influence permeating your room Than than that. I mean. <laughs> nah, man, I don't know. no, no, no. I'm joking. Nah, I mean, not my style, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, well, see, if you're going to open up to all these clubs, Russell, going to have to make it round robin again. Going to have I agree. To make it instant, all knock- it. instant knockout and say, all for it. You've got all the money, but you could have a howler over two legs out the tournament. Right? It happens. Right? Because you have to open it up again to the Cinderella stories. Yep. And touching on what you said about Alex Ferguson, Alex Ferguson produced a managerial masterstroke when he played Real Madrid. He took Jock Steen along with him. That's right. Jock Steen. He gave his team talk and then he turned to Jock Steen and said, anything to add? And Jock Steen, because he repeated it to Frank feather in the TV studio, sat there and said to the Aberdeen players, in 90 minutes you'll be legends and I'll tell you why. You're not playing the Real Madrid of Puskas and Di Stefano. You're playing 11 ordinary players. You're better than them. This is That's your brother. Cool pissing the oh, right and he say don't play the name don't play Purskis don't play Di Stefano play these players you're better than them good and won I'll see you in 90 minutes and honestly I mean you talk about Steen being a managerial genius Ferguson knew what he was doing anything to add Jock <laughs> anything to <laughs> add I mean it's incredible isn't it and you you get 11 Aberdeen players as you've said they pumped Bayern Munich in the round before or, or two rounds before, you'd beat MD after steam football in the most simple way. And that's what European football is all about. The, I dream, the dreamers. I need, and the, the money dictates what's happening now. So you have to turn around and say, unless they are willing and open to say, look, Man City, Bayern, Real Madrid, Manu, you could go out in the first round. You know, which which is why they slanted the tournament that way anyway, and it's boring and people are turning off.
4: Here's the thing, Tony. Isn't that the, the, the there's footage of Jock seen in the TV studio and the Aberdeen fans are singing "Walk On" yeah. before the game or at half time. I've seen that.
5: that. Yeah. No. oh, hey. it's
4: incredible, Russell. So I think it may be on
5: YouTube. I just told them, don't play the Real Madrid of old, dude. The 1950s, 60s, Real Madrid. Look at these guys, you know what I mean. And you see, it's astonishing that Aberdeen beat Real Madrid and Bayern. Absolutely yeah. astonishing. But amazing. At a time when you know football was you, it was for the dreamers. You know the competition. That's what it was. You the
4: dreamers. That? I like that. The dreamers. Yes.
5: Footballs for dreamers. You see, yes. Almost dreamer won in the title. That kind of. <laughs> It's just a sliding scale. You know, you've got the big guys and the wee
4: guys. I mean, I just love, I've said this to you before, I just love how Albion Rovers didn't bother actually naming themselves after, like, their area or anything. They just took two of the names that you would normally put at the end of a football (laughs) club. You know what I mean? Right, so they had a list of United, Albion, Rovers. Let's just take two of them.
0: (laughs) Speaking of naming
5: rights. Of naming rights. I, <laughs> I told you in the group chat, the naming rights, I always wanted Jagermeister to sponsor Boca Junior Stadium. So we would have the Jager Bombonera. I mean who would they want to play the Jaeger Bombonera? You know oh. what I mean? Like, yes, can I play there? You know what I mean? Very good. The ultimate dream sponsor. <laughs> Jacob How good would that be?
4: That would be, that would be tremendous. You're a wordsmith, I'll tell you that. KY ah. Jolly, uh, you don't need to compromise identity to improve squad, to compete with the best, be humble. I think the big thing, I mean, even uh, again, going back to some research I did into Andy Lynch's career when we were working on his book and he spoke about the Liverpool takeover. Uh, the details are a bit sketchy in my mind at the moment, even though I wrote about it. But basically, there was a family... Um, ...from Saudi... ...who wanted to buy Liverpool for £500 million... ...why did they want to buy Liverpool... ...as a gift for one of their sons who was 12 years of age. Is that the realms you want to enter into for your football club? You know, just a play thing for a wealthy family who have no connections or any real interest in the club that means everything to you. That is the balancing act in in the modern game. Um, But again, I think it's something that we will be talking about time and time again on A Celtic State of Mind, and I will be bringing in far more of your comments via YouTube, Twitter and Facebook as we go into the end of the Axon Bulletin, we're in the last 15 minutes, 15 minutes to go and you know you were talking about naming rights, we had a good wee laugh about that, about the Celtic celebrity fans and always remember Snoop, remember Snoop wanted to invest in Celtic as well and he bumped, <laughs> he bumped into the, the, Dylan McGeoch was part of the squad, I don't know if we're replaying in America maybe? Were we playing Real Madrid in America? And they bumped into Snoop Dogg at the airport. And Snoop says that he loves Celtic and he would love to invest in the club. Incredible. But one of the uh, the recent um, investments that really was quite interesting was David Beckham, who obviously invested in Inter Miami. He was at the game last night. Did you see the goal scored by Lewis Morgan? Russell, did you see it? No, it. Oh, never. my words. I mean... We know how well he's performed. Oh, it was tremendous. I mean, they drew one each with Atlanta United. It was... Um, and Lewis Morgan. It was a, a great solo individual effort. Um... It was an interesting signing, Lewis Morgan Tony. I mean, I, I think you've probably seen him a lot more than I did. Maybe before he signed for Celtic, but he seemed like one of the young Scottish players we've been talking about. Young Scottish players and shopping in the, in the Scottish market. We've spoken about uh, Lewis Ferguson. There's my accent coming out. About uh, we've spoken about Lewis Ferguson. Um, Josh Doig wins the Scottish Young Player of the Year awards, uh, beating the likes of uh, our very own David Turnbull to the to the awards. But one player who was one of the most Highly rated young Scottish players At the time was Morgan, he was playing so well For St Mirren, Celtic sign him Loan him back out Bring him back, loan him to Sunderland Bring him back, famously played him In the, the League Cup final that we narrowly Won 1-0 up front On his own and then the first sign That we got, a wee bid for him He's gone but he's absolutely Tearing it up over there uh, For David Beckham's team Um He's why? one example is he one example do you think that we should have persevered with
5: why is he turning up because he's playing football mm. you know answers in the back of a stamp can remember Lewis Morgan's career at Celtic you know you picked out the fact that it's remembered for all the wrong reasons yeah same with, same with Scott allen Scott allen was a naturally gifted yeah footballer. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, Scott Allen have got a chance at Celtic this boy can play passes that from a, another dimension, right? To quote Kevin from a parallel universe, but he never played enough. This boy was a footballer. I right? couldn't agree more with that. By the way, people couldn't say, agree more. Oh, he, he, you know, he wasn't he? You no, know, he never cut it. So he never get a the chance. These are players that you turn around and you say, "Wow, that boy gifted and talented." Loose Morgan was the same, but he wasn't played and, he played? wasn't he played at all? Hardly, you know. So hardly played at all. Sorry. So how are you meant to judge them? Scott Allen was getting 15, 20 minutes here or there and if he didn't produce a Maradona light pass he's hopeless he's no use you know what I mean you build teams around players like Scott Allen if you're really you know get, get in the big guys to protect them you know Scott Allen's a footballer to me and I, and I was disappointed that he never had all his potential at Celtic I had high hopes of him I told him he was a footballer and I was chuffed when they signed him he'd never get the chance you know, Lewis Morgan's another one you will never know, because as you say, played a couple of times, got loaned out, came back, got loaned out again. So it was it any surprise to see him? And Beckham was the one that quoted them. Everybody looked and went, Lewis Morgan, because somebody's done the homework and said this guy can play. Yeah, you know what I mean. So a part of that scouting system which we keep him back to. It's you know, where where are Celtic when these matters? You know, I know they signed them, but then not to play them. So why did you sign them? I know. If, if this guy can offer you something or bring something to the table. I'm not, why are you not playing them? The one
4: thing I noticed, Tony, and I only see the highlights that are, are shown, very short highlights, uh, goals and moments, etc. And I don't know, I really don't know what the standard is over there, but it's, it's certainly a, a much better standard than it was back in the, the 1970s NASL days, where they were just basically. It it definitely is improving, no doubt about it. But one thing I noticed about him was I always felt that Lewis Morgan was a bit lightweight. You know, he was like the pre Aberdeen Ryan Christie. He needed to bulk up. And when you see him now, he looks as though he has. I mean, the the individual effort, and you'll be able to check it out online, uh, I think he probably withstands three or four challenges before he he, he takes a shot. I was going to say gets a shot in, but I refuse to use these modern terms. Before he took a shot, right, or was it gets a shot off? Where did that come from? Who knows? I blame the I, I blame the catrification of this game. The most That's American, what's done it.
5: The, the most American thing I ever heard in MLS was the guy had a shot that went in off the post, and the boy said it clanked in off the iron. Clanked in off the iron. <laughs> I think I threw my shoe. I think I threw my shoe at the telly. Clanked in off the iron. Brilliant. Superb. <laughs>
4: So there we, mean, you know. Oh, I know, I know. So there we have it. We've, we've spoken about the the top Scottish youths who have come through and played yep. games, like Tony says. So you're looking at uh, the likes of Josh Doig, left back. Left backs a, a problematic position, as is the whole of the defence, including the goalie at the moment. Uh, we look at players like that, and now Ron Gordon's already uh, conceded that Hibs will be selling one and possibly two of their. their big assets in the summer Uh, young player of the year Josh Doig is that a player that would interest you would he be on your list of targets Russell Boyce
0: absolutely but I mean again I think I think when Tony spoke on Friday you know persons of interest it was brilliant because you're going as soon as you do well in I was going to say you do do well in Scottish football but as soon as you do do well in Scottish football they should instantly become on the radar they should be flagging. My honest, humble opinion is that if you do it for Hibs or Aberdeen for five minutes, you go in the radar. You mm. do it for St Johnston's and Kilmarnock's and you need to do it for two years to go in the radar, which I think is wrong. And I think that needs to be addressed as well because it's going to become some pickings for us in the transfer market now because everyone's done like we were talking about the other day, the experiment world is now done. You know, it's just there's been too many flops now to carry on you know, and and too much despair, I think, after this season. I think that's the important bit. Now. So whereas before you're getting the benefit of the doubt on Kamala's and Soros coming in and not actually kicking a ball for 12 to 18 months before they make their first start and all that nonsense, that can't happen now. That just can't happen. That's not an option. So I think we need to be more realistic about, obviously because the EU restrictions are all going to change as well, So we need to be more realistic about where it is we can target. Now, if it's going to be Eddie Howe, I'm sure he's going to have a complete network down south already in motion that Mm -hmm. he probably had already looked at past and previous. But he's also going to come up here and go, what do you have for me? What's on my doorstep? What do you mean no one? If that's the answer, what what do you mean? You're telling me the league's just full of donkeys. Well, why did you not win it last year? So we're going to need to have some real chats about the likes of Josh Doyle and going, if it's feasible and if it's realistic, don't start turning your nose up at the price tag Hibernian put on it. And that is what is going to have to change itself to it because we are the first ones to go, oh, it's unfair that Kieran Tierney only went for 25 million. But then we throw in our cheeky... What was it we got Scott Allen for? I was just talking about... 200,000, 250,000. You know, we insult our own clubs and then feel insulted when the EPL does the same to us. I'm sick of that. Let's say if George Doig is £3 million, go and get him. If that's the guy Eddie Howe says, if it is Eddie Howe, but if that's the guy Eddie Howe says, is he the best left back in Scotland? Well, I don't have a left back man my network from down south, so go we'll just sign him a million. You just go pay £3 million. I think that the, 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 we don't have time anymore on our side either. And I think we need to remember other clubs are so aware of it as well. Prices are going to get a wee bit elevated to Celtic, even more than they would originally. You know, I Jason Kerr, my, my St Johnson support mate, was mentioned last night, Martin. And he says that apparently Aberdeen are going to bid £300,000 for the St Johnson captain. A cup final twice this season captain. And you're going...
3: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
0: Certainly put in a bid though, if they were to, I would like to sit things in John's to go, well you're desperate, you know, we know you're in the mire. The, the countdown is on John Paul Mason's got the countdown on behind them he's in trouble it's a million quid guys just pay it we need to start acting like it. we're going to need to we need to put a wee bit of caution in the wind here I think
4: to, to a degree to a degree yeah but then Scott McKenna for me would be the classic example of a club pushing too much in that direction you know I would never have paid 8 million quid to Aberdeen I,
5: I get he's, that, but, he's a decent we, enough
0: player but we're more vulnerable now Paul this is the difference. At that point, we could have told not to sign him because we're winning everything.
2: But I tell you Everyone what... Everyone
0: knows Celtic's in, in a wee bit of a desperate scenario here with the countdown clock ticking every day. Eddie That's Howell, the difference, I would say, with that. Sorry.
5: If, Eddie, if it is Eddie Howe and he comes in and he says, who have we got up here? We should have a list like that. I I agreed. We should have a list like that of every top flight club with persons of interest on it. And i will mm. never... Ryan said you don't have to buy them all, but they should be flagged up on your radar yep. for playing and making an impact at their team if that's the kind of market you're going in. And as Russell says, they will inflate their prices. it depends what you deem value for money. Five million in Barkas, five million in a jetty, they're no value for money. So you have to learn your lessons and say, Okay, if you're going to bring in guy you're going to bring in guys that are playing against the same teams that you're going to play in the season and the season after that they've yeah. seen it and done it the only thing that's is it's a, a step up in class possibly from playing for Celtic can you handle that? you've proved you can handle it at Hibernian, where you can win, lose and draw in three, three successor games that's mm-hmm. not good enough here can you win all three? go and prove that you can because we've just fucked oh, yeah. out X amount for you there's your stage, there's your platform. This is why you've played so well and made an impact at Hibs, St. Johnston, Aberdeen, to get to here. So we'll now take it to the next level because we think you are good enough. See, if you tell a player that, they'll run through a brick wall for you. They'll eat that. I oh,
0: yeah,
5: love that. They'll yeah. right. So you, it's how you package that and, and sell that to them. Doesn't it doesn't matter how much we've paid for you. We think you've got something that you can bring to the table. You're a good football player. You're at, a, you're at the best club of your career. Yeah. You'll never be at another club like this in your life. Grasp that opportunity. It works for some, it doesn't work for others. Lewis Morgan being an example of that. Scott Allen being an example yeah. of that. You know, but again, a lot of it's down to being played. See, if somebody says, we're going to sign you and we're going to play you, like Eddie Howe, you will listen. And if you play, you will give your all. You, there's nothing you will not do for a manager like that. And a manager... Will, Good managers make good players better.
4: They definitely do. I've got a couple of questions. One for Russell, one for Tony. I'll start with you, Russell. Coming in from Paul McLean. If Hibs win the Cup, our next manager should be named Manager of the Year. Um, Now, absolutely no denying the fact that Jack Ross has done a great job at Hibs. Uh, We've spoken about him time and time again. Um, I don't think that anyone else is on that list than Eddie Howe at this moment in time. I can't give anybody information as to when it's going to happen because the club are keeping everything close to their chest. Of course they are. But um, I don't think so. Although, if he does win the Cup, I think that there will be other suitors interested in Jack Ross. But I don't think any time soon, Russell, you're going to be driving a Jack Ross bus. Do you?
0: No, mate. I mean, he can dress as sharp as he likes, but that bus is only in the garage, mate, and definitely not getting taken out any time soon. Uh, I like Jack Ross as a magic, all right but I I think it's quite concerning though, the way you're saying it Paul as well it's like we are every egg is in the basket on how here it's mm. every egg and, and, and another egg's in, in the basket on Eddie Howe if this was to fall through it would, be the big, it would be a bigger disaster than this season I'm not, I, I, again there's a reason why all the b- eggs are in the basket is because we believe it will happen so hallelujah but <laughs> it'll need to happen soon just to put my mind at ease and everyone else's because I kind of keep putting
4: the keys in a million different ignitions, but Jack losses is
0: definitely not. We've not mentioned Eddie
4: Howe until 56 minutes into the podcast was the first time we mentioned Eddie Howe. This one I'm going to throw to yourself, Anthony, before we have a wee chat about Celtics women and uh, Scott Brown. Not the both of them, Celt- Celtics women's team... And also Scott Brown. Right, Facebook user is saying do Celtic really owe Scottish football something? We constantly complain that the SFA establishment is anti-Celtic so why support them? Why put up with the bigotry given a chance to get away from it all? What's your thoughts on that, Tony?
5: I think it's the worst conspiracy theory in the world. Many titles have Celtic won, won the European Cup, so, you know, it's many League Cups they won, many Scottish Cups have won. You know, I I think that's a bit you know, I think it's a bit disingenuous, you know what I mean? I I just think you know what what are the SFA anti Celtic? Are they? You know, I, I find that I don't know. I just I'm gonna
4: leave that one till tomorrow and then I'll throw it back out to Lawrence. I can't I, mean, <laughs>
5: I, mean, <laughs> I can't throw the circle on that one, but you know fine well Lawrence will come back to you maybe sign relevant, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's doing his homework bloody, already now bloody you've bloody set
0: bloody the <laughs> <laughs> what the talks people make Lawrence has just <laughs> dialed
4: in I'm not going to bring him into the broadcast he's waiting to come in he wants yeah, to answer you know, that question
1: <laughs> I just I
5: find that I find those kind of theories a bit out there to be honest in terms of X-Files you know I think Celtic do have a duty to Scottish football first and foremost Celtic won't be Escaping Scottish football to get rid of the SFA, <laughs> nothing to no. do with that. I mean, that's just complete nuts utter nonsense, right? They'll be, they'll be getting, they'll be getting out because Dermot Desmond and the power brokers at the club want to play in the big boys' big one and earn the club oodles of cash. Nothing to do with conspiracy theories, bigotry, or SFA, you know, or anti-Celtic agenda. It's just, uh, honestly, I. I find uh, that in the mindset uh, yeah. staggering, right? I really do. And it might be unpopular but that's that's where I am with all of this.
4: Well tomorrow we'll we'll um we'll play part one of a, a Jim Farry special with Lawrence Connolly and he will Give you the other side of that argument, Tony. But let's talk a wee bit about Scott Brown. A wee bit about Scott Brown. Scott Brown, I I was banging on for ages about him joining the elusive 500 club. There's only 12 players in the history of Celtic who have played 500 or more competitive games for the club. Uh, And he now sits under the following. Billy McNeil, Paul McStay, Roy Aitken, Danny McGrain, Pat Bonner and Alec McNair. It just shows you the status of this man underneath him in the 500 Club. Bobby Lennox, Bobby Evans, Jimmy McEnemy, Jimmy Johnson and Tommy Burns. Now, Scott Brown and everybody above him have actually played 600 or more games. Uh, we've had a discussion about him being a legend or not. Uh, Russell, we're going to be actually joining him for a press conference this week, Scott Brown. And, um, you know, it's one of these big farewells. We've been talking about sentimentality. I think earlier in the season, I said I wanted him to remain at the club. He's obviously not. He's away to Aberdeen. Um, We've been talking about the the gaping hole, maybe not in terms of his playing ability this season, but in his leadership qualities and the fact that we don't have a ready-made captain. Um, When you're looking at the scenario... Russell, uh, the fact that you know there isn't really an opportunity to say a proper farewell to a player like Scott Brown, that's a bit of a shame, the next time you're going to see him at Celtic Park in the flesh he'll be wearing the red of Aberdeen
0: uh, I think that is sad, I think you're absolutely right and especially when it's not in um, an age of, of glory if you like, you know what I mean he's not leaving also with trophies he's, he's leaving having surrendered them all and I mean that in the nicest way I think there was something... Somebody had questioned Laura about, you know, something like, you know, he doesn't like the face of adversity. The reason he doesn't like adversity is because he's not used to it. Because he was the reason we didn't have to go through adversity. He was stage front, left, right and centre. Do you know what I mean? i the same But, like, he was the man that was preventing adversity. That's why he ain't used to it. He was, the, he was such a huge reason as to why... Celtic had so much success over the last decade, um, and yeah, I think, I think there's two ways to look at it. I think it would be really tinged with sadness. The stands being, you know, full and, and applauding Scott Brown as he leaves without a medal, because that's what we associate with Scott Brown, which yeah. is taken for granted, by the way. But and that is, I really, you know, in history, it's going to get looked back on what the, what this guy really was, and you know, this is not a guy. This is a born winner. This is the guy who integrated so many people to that squad. So many guys we've had a joy of watching for whether it was short or long spells. I'm going to have Kieran Tierney as a perfect example. We were yep. all heartbroken when Kieran Tierney left. I think the role that Scott Brown played in Kieran Tierney's career is unmeasurable. I think the reason Kieran Tierney goes up with a Tesco bag and Arsenal fans and gets mad is because he's humble and I think Scott Brown played a, I, I believe I'm sure Kieran Tierney's character a lot that you know maybe is like that and Anyway, Mike Scott Brown was huge in that. I think Scott Brown integrating guys like Virgil Van Dyke into mm. the squad helped Virgil Van Dyke, if you've ever listened to Van Dyke, speak about Scott Brown, speaking about the best captain he's ever played under and things like that. So, it's so easy to talk about legs gone and, you know, oh, he's done, he's passed, and all that nonsense. And did he only like it when the, when the sun was shining? He made the sun shine a lot of the time. And, uh, you know, I, I think he'll be. It's a, it's a real shame. You're absolutely right that we can't give him the applause. He could, but I also flip it and think it's just so sad that whatever way he leaves, there'll be no medals, you know, around his neck because that's the guy that I associate with Celtic.
4: Oh, brilliant! Nice words, Russell. Uh, excellent uh, summary of Scott Brown. We talk about players being signed from other Scottish clubs. Obviously, Scott Brown was one of them. Tony, I remember speaking to another name drop, uh, Mike Jackson who played with Celtic back in the 1950s Uh, Mike Jackson went on to be a scout for Harry Redknapp at Tottenham Hotspur and Harry Redknapp sent him to watch Scott Brown of Celtic on numerous occasions and he fed back some very positive uh, scout reports to the point where Spurs tried to buy him and he didn't go now, there are other reasons for that, but it just shows you we always talk about Paul McStay, you know, staying when, when the offers were there. Everton wanted him. Atlanta wanted him. One of the Milan clubs, I'm not sure which one, it yeah. may have been Inter Milan, wanted yep. Paul McStay. There was a, a supposed bid of £3 million in the early days, early 80s, uh, from Juventus, and he stayed. And, you know, Scott Brown had opportunities to leave Celtic. Tony he didn't, and he, he's had a trophy laden career. Tinged with sadness at the end, it's the end of an era, isn't it, really? Yeah.
5: I mean, I don't think you can get a better of you know, rundown of his legacy than what Russell gave him there. That was terrific. You know, there was some lovely words there. And the most unlikely choice for a captain of Celtic at the time, because the eyebrows were raised in spectacular fashion, people saying the same things. Never a captain, he's never a captain. And my God, he grew into that role. Mm. What he did for Liam Tierney, what he did for Virgil van Dyke, and what he gave... In those team talks, the the huddle, you know, I, I mean, most chelsea supporters probably thought he's, he's incapable of speaking mm-hmm. in a coherent manner to give a huddle team talk. But my God, they they, they hardly. I mean, you even through nine seasons where they nobody could lay a glove on him. And I said it on Friday, and I'll say it again: he was a beating heart of that team, and he was a beating heart of Scottish football because many, many rivals tried. And failed to knock him off his perch. Yeah. You know, and then everybody said, oh, it's the first time with a challenger knocked him off his perch. It's nonsense. Because it's nonsense. he he's been, he was there for nine years, more than nine years, to be shot at. And, you know, and nobody did domestically. Pretty imperious. Went into Europe. But again, he played against Europe's best and enjoyed it and enjoyed the combat and took his career to some dizzy heights. And again, I go back to it. personal happiness is a big thing for a footballer, and he was personally happy. And it is the saddest fact that leaving Celtic without a medal in his final season, and what he said was supposed to be a, show, a showpiece—get mm. that right, showpiece season—will uh, hurt him. You know, and that's the saddest part. But you know, you, you cannot hold a candle to what Scott Brown did for Celtic. And his legendary status is secured. You know, and you can argue the toss about the calibre of opposition he played against during all the years. It will never, ever say that on the the medals or the trophies that he won for the club. He beat what was in front of him, Mm -hmm. and he did it repeatedly. And he gave his supporters many happy memories and many happy times. And he goes with their blessing, and it will be the strangest feeling to see him Play against you next season, but I think to a man, woman, and child, everybody just will do that. Yes, mate. For Scott Brown, I you know, and keep that going for as long as they can, because you never know what you've got till it's gone. Yes, and we'll find that out. And we can-
4: will we will and I did say uh, I would be speaking about the the Celtic women's team a wee update they're playing on Wednesday night we'll be covering both games we'll be covering our own men's game against St Johnston as well as the women's game against Glasgow City who are the only team above us in the league now Russell Um, there are two league tables online one on the BBC website one on the Celtic website one of them's got it wrong Um, it looks as though Celtic are second and uh, we are actually facing Glasgow City on Wednesday night uh, set in the the table gives you a Champions League spot Glasgow City are going for 14 in a row they beat Rangers uh, 2-0 yesterday and Celtic beat Motherwell 3-0 we're looking forward to the action on Wednesday night thank you everybody for getting involved it's been an excellent bulletin chatting about everything from Snoop Doggy Dog and Conor McGregor to Scott Brown and the Celtic (laughs) ladies team fantastic Uh, we will be back again tomorrow at 12.30 thank you everybody for getting involved on Twitter Facebook and on YouTube And also thank you to Tony Haggerty and Russell Boyce who is pointing down to the subscription button. Please subscribe and uh, thanks for joining us on a Celtic State of Mind.
5: Pleasure.
3: Report: Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust.
1: Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent.
3: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.